Yeah, this morning I was praying. I feel like I don't want to be up here yet because I like, don't want it to start or something. Um, I was praying and just feeling like we don't have time to like have a normal Sunday morning. Like we don't have time to just come and just do the thing and then go back home. Um, so yeah, I just want to encourage you. Just, what, what if we just gave up our expectations for the morning and just said, God, what do you want to do? Um, so I'm just going to throw that question out there. Um, yeah, I was praying um, back in Jeff's office. He, he encouraged me to do that just this morning. And just kind of was coming, was coming up, I was reminded of, it's just you guys as pastors are just awesome. Um, just, I was just getting this picture of them just like full out sprinting with this torch, um, just like carrying a light. And they're just really plowing for you guys. And I just, I just see their love for you so much. Um, so we, Ellie and I, my, my wife, my family, I live in St. Paul. We, we give to this church. We pray for you. My own family is here, um, as Ginger said. And I actually talk regularly with Jeff. We have a rhythm where we call each other and we pray and we encourage each other. Um, so it's just really meaningful to be here. I'm really honored and really grateful just to be here. But I just don't want this to be a normal day. And I don't think you want it to be a normal day either. I think there's something in you that's like, actually, I don't really want to just do the thing either. Um, so yeah, what would it look like just to give up our expectations and just receive? God, what do you want to say to me? Because I believe he wants to say something to each of you um, today. Yeah, so I'm just for you guys. I just feel um, just a love for each of you. I don't know all of you. I know, I know many of you, but I just, yeah, I just feel a love for you. And I see that this church carries something really important um, for this community. And it's hard to, you don't always see that kind of in yourself, but I see that. There's a servant heart here. There's something really authentic in your guys's, just, I don't know, just in your hearts that I see. And the community needs it. Um, so I could go around to each of you individually and like look you in the eyes and say, you carry something necessary. You have something that the world needs. And the, the body, the rest of you, actually have something that you need to. Um, so yeah, I'm just grateful that you're all here, and I just love you, and I'm for you. So a few weeks ago, I, uh, I had, I was praying, and sometimes when you're praying for just what to say, like, God, what do you want to say? What do you, what, what, what do you have for spirit life on this Sunday? Um, sometimes it's hard for me to, like, discern, like, he'll speak, and I'm like, is that for me, or is that for spirit life, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I was kind of deciphering between some things and just, just, just seeking his heart. He was speaking to, some, to me some things that I just believe were for me and then other things that I think are for you. Anyways, I, I had a dream a few days later and I know it's for you because some of you were in it. So that just kind of helped me out. I was like, oh, well, that's, that's helpful. So I just want to share that. It's actually super short, but I think it's really powerful. It's going to frame what is going on here this morning. Um, so in this dream, I was with some of you, and um, you were sharing about this meal you were going to have. You were really excited to eat this meal. I don't know if it was like chili. It was like something like chili, something that like marinates in itself, and all the flavors are like getting together. And like some of you were just like, I am so excited. I'm so hungry, and I'm so excited to eat this, and it's going to be amazing. And I heard that, and then out of one of your guys' mouths, one of you said, it's kind of a weird phrase, but like, 
my stomach is like a cup. And what, like, what they meant was, my, I'm just here to receive. I'm just like, I want to receive. And in the dream, I walk away um, into a different room. We were like in a living room type of thing. I walk away in another room, like a bedroom, and I fall on my face and I actually begin to weep. And the, the Lord was showing me that in a simple way, you're designed like a cup. You're designed to receive, to be poured into, but you're also designed to pour out. And so this morning, I'm getting the sense that many of you have been receiving and receiving, and it's actually turned into a lake and not a river, where there's a river that you know that a life-giving river has a receiving end and also has a giving end, and where there's actually been a blockage of things on the outgoing side, and there's been a receiving, and things have actually become unhealthy. And some of you, um, yeah, yeah, have become a lake and not a river. And so I'm just, I just want to name, one thing that I've been learning is that we need to name the idols that are in the land. We actually need to name the gods that are in the land. Otherwise, we'll find them in our homes and we'll find ourselves in bed with them. And so some of those are like God of self. We've heard that. God of comfort is in our culture. And I want to name the God of religion. The God of religion says, I know the thing, but I'm not going to live it. The God of religion breeds whitewashed tombs where we're cool on the outside, but actually inside there's stuff that, that we haven't really worked through. We haven't brought to the light yet. The, the God of religion takes people who are red hot fire for Jesus, like, like just on fire, and it cools them down a little bit, and it makes them lukewarm. It takes those who are lukewarm, and it cools them down just a little bit until they're cold. And so I just want to name that, that, that religion is actually a God in the land, and we have to be aware of it, lest it get into our homes, and we end up hearing over and over and not really doing the thing. And this is something I've been convicted of. I'm not telling you to do this, but I even had the thought like, man, what if I didn't go to church again until I lived the message I heard last week? That would be crazy, right? I just feel like we need to stop reading through the whole Bible and just live something, you know? Like, just live something. Like, take one verse and just run with it. And there are others of you that haven't been pouring out because you've yet to receive. Because you can't, you can't give what you don't have, you know? Like, for example, I was seeing a few weeks ago, I have a two-year-old and a six-month-old, and a few times, anger was coming up. Something, I mean, my, my, I have a two-year-old. She just does kind of silly things sometimes. And I was getting frustrated. And I was like, man, what is going on here? And I was seeing, I can't give what I don't have. And I actually haven't sat recently with the reality that God is slow to anger with me. And I've been kind of like beating myself up. Like, he's probably angry with me. I probably missed it. And actually, I just sat with him. I was like, God, you are so slow to anger with me and began to receive what he's like for me. And as I'm being poured into, well, now I can pour out. I can, I can be slow to anger. And so sometimes we're not pouring out because it's not actually in us yet. You can't give what you don't have. Sometimes we're not sharing the gospel 
because the gospel isn't in us. And I just want to name that. That's been something that I've been convicted of um, this past year. The Lord actually spoke to me and said, if you're not sharing the gospel, it's because you don't know the gospel. And I think what that means is we, we know it in our heads. We know a lot of things. But if it's not coming out of me, it's because it's not in me yet. I haven't become the gospel, and so I'm not sharing the gospel. And so then what we do, it's why like evangelism is pretty, pretty hard for a lot of people, is, is because we try to be someone we're not. Like, we try to get the gospel out of us, but it's not really in us to begin with. And all of a sudden, we're trying to be someone that we're not, and it gets really awkward. You know what I mean? I've tried to do that. When, it's not, when the thing I'm saying isn't really in me, and then I'm like sharing it, I'm like, this is so weird. This isn't, this isn't even like, this isn't even me. Do you know what I mean? And, man, I was so convicted uh, maybe six, eight months ago. It wasn't that long ago. The Lord told me that. And I was like, man, you're right. God, teach me your gospel. Teach me your gospel. Let the gospel be in me to a point where it's actually going to come out. So we can't be focusing on the, it's not about sharing the gospel. It's about becoming the gospel. Okay, the goal isn't to share, although that's going to happen as you become it. And you actually begin to live in that reality. And so the message today, um, I know that's like a challenging word, and I get that. And the message today, I, what I really want to do is share the gospel in a, really, in a way that I just feel called to. I know a lot of you know simple truths about it, and so I'm going to skip over some things because I know that you know them. And so this is just one way to share it. There's a million ways to share the gospel. My shoe just came untied. And yeah, so there's a lot of things that I could say, but I want to give you, I want to give all of you an opportunity to hear, even as if for the first time, what's true, and then to be able to actually respond and then live it. And living it yeah, living it is a process, but I just want to give you guys an opportunity to hear and then receive and respond. Um, yeah, so I just want to pray, and real quick before I pray, it's really easy regarding prayer to, you know, when you're around Christian circles enough and you've done the church thing a long time, it's really easy to pray like you know the words, but you're not really praying, you know, where you're like saying the thing, but you're not really connecting with the Father. And one of my life goals, actually, I have very few, and probably this is the only one that I even name, is to mean what I pray. I want to be someone who means what I pray. I, I don't want to just stand up here and do a thing. I don't want to. That's not, that's not what I'm going to do. Um, so just as we pray, let's pray. I don't just, yeah, so I just want to partner with you and invite you into that. Let's actually look to the Father and see what he's saying and open our hearts to what he's doing. Um, yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you for this time. Thank you that you see each and every individual that's here. Thank you that you know them all, God. Thank you, Father, even for those that feel like they don't have a lot to give. I thank you, Father, that, you, that they can give you their attention, Jesus. So we just give you our attention today. I just say, have your way and move freely. 
Um, say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. Um, yeah, it's an honor to be in your presence, God. You who made everything, and we get to come and talk to you. So I just thank you, thank you, Father, for just moving freely. Thank you that everything that has been even just blocking that outgoing or blocking even the receiving, God, would, be, would just leave right now in Jesus' name. Let us all just receive, even for the first time, the gospel, God. So I just thank you and praise you. Move freely in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, the title of the message is Become the Gospel. And I kind of set that up already. Become the gospel. Um, we can't know, we don't. We can't really get a hold of what the gospel is unless you actually know something about the creation story. Um, and if you knew that, you can't. You can't actually know what the gospel is if you don't know. Gospel is like restoration. You can't know what we're being restored to if we don't know how God created things and it's. And intended. So I'm just going to skim over briefly, because I know a lot of you know this Genesis story of the gospel, or, or not of the gospel, the creation story. So I'm just going to like say a few bullet points just to like set things up. Creation story. In the beginning, God made everything. Everything we see, he, he made it, he made you, he made me. And when he was done each day, he said, this is good. At the end of making everything, he didn't say this is good. He said this is very good. This is very good what he made. And so people, namely Adam and Eve in Genesis, are actually living as God intended them to live. There's no death. There's no anxiety. There's no hopelessness. There's no despair. There's no lust. There's no anger. There's no pride. There's peace. There's hope. There's joy. People are actually living as God intended them to live. There's no death yet. Nobody died, which is crazy. Yeah. There was intimate fellowship with the one who made you. So there was, people were literally created and walking around and having like communion and connection with the Father as intended. And we know the story, Adam and Eve sinned and death came through sin. And all of a sudden that ushered in a lot of stuff things I just named that weren't there all of a sudden were there, anxieties there, hopelessness is there, brokenness is there. We no longer have communion in the same way with our Father. There's a separation between the King and us, and people are dying. People die. They were no longer as intended or as designed. And the world, just speeding through since... Um, yeah, just for the sake of the message today, has been more or less there for throughout human history until about 2,000 years ago when Jesus came. And so all of human history has taught us that man can't make his way back to God. You read anything, no one has lived a perfect life, even the best. No one has been able to bridge that gap. Man hasn't been able to defeat death. Everybody died. Everybody died. No one, no one could defeat death. There was a man in the Old Testament who God took up, but that was by his own way. That wasn't because man defeated death. So no one could defeat death. Man, man could not free himself from sin. He couldn't free himself from 
lust or anger or pride or hopelessness. Man can't, can't heal himself from brokenness or despair or disease. Man needed a savior. And so Jesus, we know the story. Jesus showed up and Jesus actually changed everything. And so here's kind of the main point of the message I'm going to throw out and just kind of, um, we're going to go through it. I literally have two points today. That's it. But we're going to go into them pretty good. Jesus made a way so we could live as intended again. Jesus bridged the gap between us and God and reconciliation with God. Reconciliation is like exchange. We get to exchange our broken relationship with God with a restored relationship with God. And so Jesus made a way for us to literally live as intended. And what that looks like is two things, and these are the two things I'm gonna talk about today. Living as intended looks like living right with God apart from works. Living as intended looks like living in freedom. And so I'm gonna dive into both of those, and that's, that's the message today. So we're going to get in the word. Um, first scripture is 2 Corinthians 5. Um, if you want to open up there. Um, I believe it's going to be up on the screen. Um, yeah, and just right before we read, the word of God is our lamp, our bread, and our sword. And some of us have been hungering for other things because we haven't had a good meal, which is the word. It's also our lamp, and sometimes there's ambiguity in our life because we haven't gotten to the word, which is a lamp for us. And it's also our sword. We've all gone into a battle without a sword. It's not very fun. You know, Jesus didn't go without the word of God into a battle. And so I just want to encourage us to receive these words for what they are, the word of God. Um, Let me turn there quick. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. This is one of my favorite um, passages about the gospel. Fourteen to the end of the chapter. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself, through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. 
I just want to highlight verse 19 real quick. It says, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He didn't count our sin against us. And then the very last verse says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So the gospel is that Jesus made a way, this is one way of saying it, Jesus made a way for us to live as intended, and that looks like living right with God apart from works. And so I want to read two more scriptures, and it's going to be a little scripture heavy, literally just right here, so stick with me. Um, The next one is Romans 3. It's the end of Romans 3. The first few chapters of Romans sort of lead up to this section. Um... And then this section of Romans 3 sort of frames the whole rest of the book, which again is sort of a a different reiteration of the gospel. Um, 21 to 28. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness, his righteousness, not our righteousness, his righteousness, because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of this righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting, it's excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No. Of works? No. Of works? No. But by a law of faith, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And I just have one more scripture, and I'm just going to open that up a little bit. One verse, Romans 5, 1. Um, This is in the Amplified. I love this verse. It says, Therefore, since we are justified, you and me who are in Jesus are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, given a right standing with God through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy. I really like that. Let us grasp the fact. Let us come to like reckon with this truth that it wouldn't be head knowledge but heart knowledge that the peace we have, the reconciliation to hold and to enjoy, the peace of reconciliation, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Living as intended looks like living right with God apart from works. This means when we get up in the morning, you don't have to read your Bible, you don't have to pray, you don't have to do anything to enjoy your Father. In fact, you can't do anything to get right with him in and of yourself. This is a simple reality that changes literally everything And I feel like, personally, I feel like I'm in, like, fifth grade in it. I'm just starting to, like, 
wow, I'm right with you and I don't have to work. It's actually by faith. Now, I'm not laying aside works. I've actually just, I actually just gave a kind of a hard word, a challenging word about a dream where we're not doing work sometimes because things aren't in us. So there is to be action, but the thing is, we don't get right with God by our action, and that's what I'm pointing out. We're actually right with him. We don't have to do anything. And for a lot of us, and I can speak for myself, this has been in our heads and not our hearts. And so as a result, we have this need to be seen. You ever feel a need to be seen? Like when you go out when you're at work and you like want to be seen by somebody? We climb the corporate ladder to accomplish something because we think, man, if I just accomplish something, then I'll have something. And if I have something, then I'll be somebody. Man, if I just do this thing, maybe then I'll be somebody, you know? Maybe if I get this house and I invite people over and I show them like how big it is and how nice the kitchen is and how I have this like big wine cooler or something, maybe then, then I'll be somebody. That's not the gospel. The gospel is he has received you and chosen you for you apart from what you could do. We try to earn love from others by looking a certain way. Anybody? Guys too. You want to look strong. You want to you look like you have things together. You want to fit into the culture and not look weird. You know? But the, the king of kings has literally chosen you apart from how you look or how you don't look. He's chosen the real you through Jesus because he's loved you. Man, that, that changes me. When I wake up and I'm like, you see me and you've chosen me apart from what I've done. Whether something's been done to me or I've done something, I can enjoy today. I don't have to accomplish anything. I can just be, I don't need to read my Bible enough. I can actually just enjoy you. It's like being in, it's almost like being in the garden, you know? When, when Adam and Eve can like enjoy God and they don't have to do anything, they're just made, and all of a sudden they're just like, I can just be who I am. And there's this thing in us, and there's this thing in each of you, I would say, where you just want to be yourself. And either like, there's like, I just want to be free to be me. And there are so many chains on us in the old way of living in sin that have held us back. Shame is one of those. Lust is one of those comparison, fighting for this need to be seen, need to be recognized. I don't care if I'm seen anymore. It's amazing. I, it, I, being up here doesn't fulfill this weird thing of like, I hope people see me and think I'm cool. I just don't even care anymore. I can literally, I've literally been walking the streets like totally me, for real. It's been, it's been changing me, man. And I'm just sitting with the simple reality that righteousness is by faith and he's chosen me apart from what I could do. We become deeply affected when others don't choose us. Anybody? Somebody doesn't choose you at work. Even in your family, man. Someone doesn't choose you in your family and all of a sudden we're deeply affected and all of a sudden we're disappointed 
And it's really because we don't know we've been chosen by the one who chose us apart from everything. We are comfortable being ourselves. This is one I've been growing in, as I just kind of mentioned. Like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to like strive for someone's attention of me. I just want to be me, the way God made me. And that's actually what the gospel gets us. The gospel gets us connection with our Father. We don't have to work for love anymore. We can just receive. We say negative things about ourselves because we don't know the simple gospel that God chose you apart from you and he actually wanted to choose you. He loves you. He sees things in you. He made you for a reason. Each and every one of you are here for a reason and there are things that you have that your family needs, that your community needs and we're not meant to hide. Jesus said, You're the light of the world. He pointed to his disciples who were like teenagers. And he said, you are the light of the world. Don't hide anymore. Stop hiding. You're meant to shine and each and every one of you are meant to shine. And I'm learning more and more every day what it means to shine. It means to be me fully and express Jesus in the way that I'm made to express him to the world. And you all have that and you're all made to shine and not be held back by inhibitions, insecurities, different needs that aren't being met because you don't know that you can be right with him apart from what you do. So we all have needs. There's nothing wrong. You know, there's nothing wrong with needing attention. Sometimes that feels like a childish thing, like, oh, they just need attention, you know? It feels kind of like a childish thing. And I saw that with my two-year-old, that when I gave her my attention, she would stop misbehaving. Like if I'm just like doing something and she, she, I don't have, she doesn't have my attention, she's like starts misbehaving, throwing something, hitting her sister or whatever, laying on top of her, you know. But when I gave her my attention, something shifted in her and the Lord taught me, you know what? She's actually designed to need the attention of her father. And man, I was like, I need your attention. But you know what? I have it. And you don't need to look for attention anymore because you actually have his attention. He's actually given you his attention. You don't need to fight for attention because you have it. You already have it. You don't need to fight to be seen because you are seen. The culture is fighting to be seen because they don't know that they are seen. You've been, we've been on social media, right? Righteousness is by faith. This is basics. This is like, I don't even know. This is like kindergarten level gospel. You're right with God apart from your works. It's time to receive the truth, and walk in it. And so just like it said in 2 Corinthians that we read, I beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You don't have to do anything. And I want to point out that righteousness um, in, in, uh, in Ephesians, we, we've heard of like the armor of God, 
Righteousness is one of those. It's the breastplate. The breastplate of righteousness. I think that's interesting. Imagine going into a battle and all of your vital organs are exposed. Right? Like imagine if I have, I have everything, I've got all the equipment, I've got the helmet, I've got the shoe things, I've got the weapons, whatever, and I don't have anything covering my vital organs. And yet I feel like this is what we do. We wake up and then we act as though we have to do something to get to God or to be seen or to be noticed or all the different things I listed. And then we get wounded so easily, you know? We get wounded so easily, our vital organs are just exposed when actually, when we wake up in the morning, you know, I've been doing, here's a practice I've been doing. I've been waking up in the morning, the very first thing I do, I don't read, I just say, God, thank you. I don't have to do anything today. I can just, I can just be with you. I'm like fully seen by you and I don't have to be seen by people. And all of a sudden I'm freed up to see other people because I'm not, I don't have all this stuff in my way, you know, where you have like stuff you're dealing with and you're going to Target or you're going to the grocery store and you have, you're like dealing with your own stuff and you can't see the person in front of you because you're like, oh, I want to be seen and I, I'm working through this and I have all the, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm dealing with lust right now or pride. And all of a sudden I'm receiving the simple gospel that righteousness is apart from faith and I'm freed up to see other people and to begin to notice people and see people for who they are, apart from what they've done, apart from how they look, all of a sudden, I'm not choosing people because they look cool, or because I think they're attractive, or because I think their personality is going to jive with mine. All of a sudden, I'm choosing people for who they are. I'm telling you, in the past year, my words have never had more weight in my entire life, and it's because I've been seeing people for who they are. I, I walk into the coffee shop, doesn't matter how they look, I'll say something and words just fall into people's hearts. I've had people just break down at the coffee shop. I'm just like being there. I could give you story after story in the past year. Does this all make sense? Yeah. Righteousness is our, our breastplate and we actually, we need to put it on. And I think it's a daily thing, you know. I, uh, the Lord taught me this tool. I'll give it to you. Um, imagine a circle. Um, imagine three arrows in a circle. And at the top, it says realities, received, result. Sometimes we're not seeing a result because there's a reality, we, there's a reality that we haven't received. There's truths that we need to receive, and when we receive them, they bear fruit and they become a result. So if you're not seeing a reality in your life, if there's a problem in your life, it's, ac it's probably because there's a reality you haven't received yet. Nothing's wrong with you. Something's missing. That's a Graham Cook statement. I think that's true. And so I've seen when I just sit and receive what I'm talking about, I receive, this is a reality. Righteousness is a part from works. It's by faith. You can be right with God. You can live as intended fully seen and known, with these desires in you met, apart from anything that you could do. When you receive that, stuff just starts happening. And all of a sudden, we begin to bear fruit in the way we were designed to. We begin to be ourselves, and we begin to shine. 
And that's what he's calling us to do. And I have it as a complete circle because even when we're seeing the result, we still need to go back and remind ourselves of the truth. Even when we're living in the truth, we still have to like go back and receive it and remind it. Wait a minute, I need to put on the breastplate again. God, I'm right with you. Even for this message, hey, even for this message today, I, ha- I have to live in this. I have to say, God, it's not me praying hard enough where I'm gonna see change. I don't have to fast for a week to see someone's heart. Oh, oh, I fasted for a week and that's why there's results. It was all me. I did it. I can't, I can't change anybody's heart and I can't even change my own heart. And I had, to, I had to remind myself of this. I had to put the breastplate on every single day for me. God, I, it's not me studying hard enough and I'm a studier. It's not me studying hard enough that's gonna bring change. It's gonna be you who's gonna bring change. It's not by my might, it's by your might. So I'm gonna sit in the reality and be affected by it. I'm gonna be patient enough with the truth to let it change me. I feel like so many times we're just in a hurry. We read the truth and we don't even let it sink down to our heart. Oh yeah, I know it, great, let's keep going. That's religion. Religion says, I know the truth and I'm not gonna do it. Religion takes hot people for Jesus and cools them down and and stops up the outgoing flow of the river so that we're just receiving. Feed me, Keep keep it coming. Give me the good chili. And you are like a cup, you're meant to receive, but only for so long and then you're meant to pour out. Otherwise it becomes stagnant, you know? I've been learning a lot of that personally. We have a home church. And I've been praying, God, I don't wanna build an environment in my home where we hear the truth and we don't walk in it. But when you really live right with God, it changes things. It changes everything. This is fundamental. This is building blocks stuff. We can't be building spiritual houses if we're not like, haven't laid that, you know? So that's one. The gospel, in the way I'm saying it, is that Jesus came and made a way for us to live as intended, to shine for him, apart from anything that we could do. Adam and Eve didn't do anything. They were made. Number two, living as intended looks like living in freedom. And I've kind of hinted at that a little bit. You know, we just read... um, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. You're free from everything old. Newness is like a lot like freedom. If everything's new, you're actually free from everything old. Romans 8, I think is a scripture you guys have been going through, says, Jesus is saying, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will... No, no, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Freedom. Discipleship is about freedom. He also said later on, by the way, we have a Holy Spirit who leads us into all the truth. That means we have his spirit leading us into freedom. Does that make sense? So I wanna read one more scripture here, Romans 6, um, 
4 through 7. Quick. Okay. Here we go. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. That's a, that's a statement, man. He who has died is freed, not partially free. It's not like you've got one ankle bracelet with a chain on, not partially free. He who's died is free. You're totally free from sin, period. This is another thing that I've come to practice in the morning. I keep dropping my mic. I practice in the morning is I say, the first thing I say is, God, thank you um, that I'm right with you. I don't have to do anything. I'm fully seen and known by you. I don't need to be known by anybody else. And all of a sudden, needs get met in me. And then I thank him, God, I thank you. I can live as intended, totally free from sin. You know, when, when Roger Bannister ran the four-minute mile for the first time, we know the story, but he's the first dude to run a four-minute mile. Science was saying, you can't do that, and then he did it, right? People began to reimagine what was possible for humanity. Like, wow, people can run that fast, you know? I want to make a statement when the impossible is seen as possible, it can be multiplied. And as soon as like that barrier was broken, people just started doing it, running the four-minute mile. Because the impossible was seen as possible. Oh, somebody did this? That was true for somebody. That means it could be true for me. I think I could do it, you know? And I think things aren't being multiplied sometimes because we don't even think it's possible. You know, we don't think that we can live free from sin. Jesus lived, think about the parallel with Roger Bannister I just said. Jesus lived a sinless life. He lived as people were designed to live in the garden, totally free from sin. Jesus did that. We have to reimagine a radically different way of living than what we see around us, where people are caught up in sin. Instead, I feel like many of us, there's this phrase like, oh, I'll never be perfect. And what we're really doing is we're compromising on something less than freedom. What we're doing is we're saying, I think I'm just always going to be chained to this. I think I'm always going to struggle. And I can relate. When I, was a, when I was a teenager, man, when I was first married, I didn't think it was possible to be free from lust. Just transparency. I was like, if a man came up to me and he said, dude, I never lust anymore, I'd be like, doubt it. 
but my imagination had to expand. And today I can say I'm totally free from lust. I don't do it anymore. We have to imagine something bigger. Partial freedom is not freedom. And I think many, and I'll say this to you, I know this is pointed, I'll say us, but I wanna say you because I want it to be pointed. Many of you have brought a testimony to the world that the world has been able to chalk up to positive thinking. And it's because you've settled on something less than freedom. You've settled for something less than freedom. You're walking in partial freedom. And then when you go and you bring your testimony to the world, they're like, yeah, I can do that. I just need to think more positively. But when we begin to like live in the truth, man, I can live free from sin just as Jesus did. All of a sudden you walk into a grocery store and people see freedom on you. You know, you go to work and you're like, I'm I'm not even prideful anymore because I've given up that way and he's made me new. That's actually possible. I I just wanna just say, that's possible. It's possible to live free from sin. Let me just throw that out there. We just read it. We just read it. He who has died is freed from sin. It's just, I don't know what else to say. I don't know how to read that. I recognize sanctification is a process. I'm not getting around that. But I am pointing out that sometimes we've allowed the process to keep us from processing. But there's more for us. There's just so much more for us. You don't need, let me point out, you don't need a profound testimony 10 years ago when you walk into a store. Man, I just need to share something crazy. You know, you hear these people demonically oppressed. One of my friends prayed over this person. They, they fell over and they were manifesting demonically and he cast this demon out and they were immediately filled with the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues, totally delivered of every addiction that they had. Crazy story, right? Another one of my friends prayed for a boy who was born, born totally blind in one eye and she watched his eye opened, open up. These stories happen all the time. And we don't need a profound testimony. What we need is to be a living testimony. You don't need a big story. I don't know if you guys know my story. I grew up here in this church. The first service was in my house. And I got married young. I moved to Fargo. Um, I went to school up there. And after I graduated, I had an encounter with love that I hadn't had before. And I was tired of my life, really, in the way that I was, I was going through the motions. I was getting up and I was reading and nothing was, I wasn't really there. And I was praying and I wasn't really praying. And I was just tired with that. And so I went outside and I sat in this little patch of grass beside my apartment. And I said, God, do you have anything to say to me? And he spoke to me and he said, Hosea 2. And I didn't know what that was. I grew up in the church and I've heard of the book, but I, I, I really, I was just worried it was a genealogy or something. And I began to read it and the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to what was being said. And I was totally undone. The first half of the story, God, God is just pouring out his heart 
to a, his bride, Israel, who is running after everything else who doesn't love him, but is literally sleeping around with everything else. They say, I'm the bride of Christ, and then they go and they sleep with somebody else. And I was like, that's me. I'm not living <laughs> the way that I, sh- I want coffee more than you, I think. I think I want to be with my wife more than you. I think I want to be with my coworkers more than you, God. And I felt this conviction, and then the second half of the chapter, I'm expecting condemnation to God who judges me. And he said, I'm paraphrasing, you're not going to call me master anymore, you're going to call me husband, and I'm going to come down and I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to love you in your mess, and I'm going to pursue you until you can't even think about those other things you used to run after. And I was met with the God of love. Only days later, my wife actually left me, and I ended up living out that story. I was given a revelation of the love of God and then an opportunity to walk in it. Am I going to pursue my bride? She just started cheating on me. She, get a, she started getting involved in drugs. I'm by myself in my apartment. I don't have community. And the King of Kings is reminding me every day of his love. Like, only days before this happened, he shows up, and he gives me revelation of his love, and now I'm walking in it. And I get to pursue my bride, even though she doesn't deserve it, because I didn't deserve it. And let me tell you something, that's a powerful story. And I have that, and no one can take that from me. But if I'm not a living testimony for Jesus, it will do no good. I can give a story, but if I'm not a person of love, the story's gonna fall flat. You with me? We have to become the gospel. We can't just have a story. We have to be people who genuinely love others who don't just walk past our neighbors. Love doesn't wait for an opportunity. You know that love makes an opportunity. Do you know that? Sometimes we're waiting. Man, if I get the right, maybe I'll pray for them. They just walk by me at the right time. Love makes an opportunity. I was feeling that, man. The gospel is that Jesus made a way for us to live as intended. If we're saying, man, Jesus gives freedom, but we're not living in freedom, let me tell you something. Your words can only go as far as your life is lived. The Holy Spirit can still use your words, and he's done that, you know. But really, when your words have impact is when you're living it. You're saying, man, I'm living in freedom. Well, all of a sudden, you begin to talk about freedom to somebody, stuff just changes. Their imagination expands and says, that's possible for me. I can do that. If you can live in freedom, that's possible. And it's only through Jesus. And I can say today, man can't free himself from pride, but I'm free from pride today. Man can't free himself from lust, and I stand before you today totally free from lust. And that wasn't my story, man. I was all caught up with stuff. Living as intended looks like one living right with God apart from works and two living in freedom. And freedom, just to clarify, is not just freedom from, it's freedom to. 
It's not just freedom from sin. It's freedom to live as intended. It's freedom to be you as intended. Free from chains. Free from inhibitions. Sharing the gospel doesn't have to be weird. If it's in you. I want to see, my heart is just to see you shine. I want to see you shine. If there's anything I, I would like want for you, I would want you to be you fully, apart from how you look. Apart from how, what you've done or anything. And let me just say, if God is calling you to give something up, that thing isn't you. Let me just point that out. If God is calling you to give something up, it's not you. It's holding you back from being you. Okay? Sometimes we think like, man, this is just part of who I am, God. You're, you're, you're telling me to give up something that is just in me. And Satan wants us to identify with what Jesus came to free us from. See? Because if you identify with something, how can you be free of it? Well, it's who I am. I'm, I just lust. I don't know what to tell you. It's just in me. Okay? That's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants our identity, our identity to be wrapped up in what Jesus came to free us from. But if he's calling you to give something up, it's not you. It's holding you back from being you. Lust was holding me back from being me, okay? I wasn't seeing people. I was, I was reducing people to a figure, right? Or pride, you're not seeing people. You're not really being you. You're, you have a false sense of what's really going on. The past year, I have done more evangelism than in my entire life. And it's because I don't have things holding me back from seeing people anymore, and I'm just receiving the simple gospel. Just imagine, just want to paint a quick story, maybe. Sure, I think we have time. Maybe not. Let me look. Yeah, that's cool. I'll share it. Um, imagine being dropped in a city, and you don't know anybody, and you have a new job. Let's say you didn't have a family. You have, you, you have new friends. Everything is new, let's just say. New car, no history. Like anyone who meets you, they're not going to see you for how they previously experienced you. It's kind of fun because you could just be whoever you want. You know? You could, walk into, you could just walk into a coffee shop, be somebody totally different, have no history with anybody. I went to downtown Chicago for, for some school, for a class for my job. And a beautiful city, and I'm walking through, and I was feeling like that. I was like, this is crazy. I could be anybody. I could say something crazy to that guy, and he, I would never see him again. <laughs> and the Lord was teaching me this reality that that's actually me now. I don't have a past anymore, but I do have a history with God. I don't have a past, I just have a future. And anything done in my past, it doesn't hold me back. I know people who went through what I did with their spouse, and 20 years later, they're not free. But freedom's possible. 
and I'm not held back by what I've done or what's been done to me because of Jesus. And we can live that way, man. We can walk out this door totally free to be us, to live as intended as in the garden. That's the gospel. Like we all know there's something in us that's like, man, there's something in me that I'm just not designed for anxiety. You ever feel that? I'm just not designed for anger. Like I don't, I don't even like it. I'm not designed for, you're not. You're not designed for those things. God didn't make you that way. The gospel is that Jesus made a way. And we can live right with our Father apart from works. Just hang with me. To put on the new, these things that I'm talking about, to put on the... Um, to really walk in the freedom that I'm, that I'm naming that is possible for each of you and to walk right with the king, we also have to shed off the old. You know, we've read about that. Old things are gone. We actually have to die to ourselves so we can live for him. It just said, 2 Corinthians, Jesus died so we would no longer live for ourselves, but we'd live for him. And so to actually walk in what I'm naming, which is possible, we have to shed the old things. And some of us aren't walking in freedom because we haven't shed those things. We're kind of hanging on to them. Jesus didn't say affirm yourself. He said deny yourself. He didn't say, you know, I, I just feel like many of us, again, I'm in, the, I'm in the boat with you. I'm not preaching over you. I'm just a random dude up here who happens to be related to your pastor. Many of you are not living the gospel because you're still hanging on to old ways. You're affirming how you wanna spend your money. You're affirming how you wanna spend your mornings. You're affirming how you wanna spend your evenings. You're affirming who you wanna be friends with. What job do you wanna have? What are your dreams instead of his dreams? But Jesus didn't say affirm yourself. He said, deny yourself. Give up everything and live as intended because I've made a way for you. Jesus was born to die and so were you. That's a statement. The Lord told me that. <laughs> I was like, you're right. I was born to die. Everything that is me, I want the life just to drain out of me and I want to be love and I want to be you to people. Your life hasn't been a testimony. Your life can't be a living testimony until it's a living sacrifice. Yeah. We can wonder, like, where's the miracles? Where are the miracles, God? Where's the testimonies? And listen, miracles follow those who follow Jesus. But we have to follow Jesus first. We have to actually shed the old things off. You're like a cup. You're meant to be poured into and pour out, not hang on to old things. Um, yeah, could I have someone from worship come up? That would be awesome. Thank you. Beginning of this year, talking about me being in the same boat with you, um, 
This year was super hard for my family and I. We actually had a lot of hard stuff happen. Um, yeah, I don't need to get into all of it. Beginning of the year, our house fall, fell apart. We had our boiler broke down. It's a duplex. Uh, washer upstairs exploded. The basement flooded. The water, the sewer line backed up, needed to be replaced. And when they did that, they hit the water line, and that needed to be replaced. So I had to tear up all the floor in the basement. I had to fix the washer. I had to totally re-plumb the boiler system so the duplex could be on one boiler and not two, and then rebuild the other one. It was a lot of stuff. Needless to say, the Holy Spirit was bringing up a ton of selfishness in me. I had a full schedule. I was working a full-time job, and I'd come home, and I'd be in the basement all night, not seeing my girls. And I was like, God, why me? Why? No one else knows how to do this. Why do I have to do this? We can't afford to hire it out. This would be like 50 grand. And a lot of selfishness was coming up. Coming up, coming up, coming up. God, why am I doing, I don't don't even want to do this. I want to be with my girls. My wife gets to be with my girls. She's like literally killing it, having a a baby and a two-year-old. And the Lord was showing me this that I'm talking to you about, that I actually need to give up what I want for me so that I can step into what he has. And I started just dying to selfishness. And what it felt like, just personally, it felt like a branch, you know, talk about pruning. It felt like a pole branch was just being, like, sawed off. But then something crazy happened where life on a different part of me started to just grow. It felt like I had a whole new branch grow, and that branch was evangelism. Like I said, I've never been more evangelistic, and it started with death. See, we're not responsible for life. We can't force life. You plant a, you plant a seed... We can't force it up, Uh, grow, you can't make it grow. What you are responsible for though, is to let it die and to bury it. That's our responsibility. To put off the new, the old, so we can step into the new. I just see that each of you has something that the world needs. And I want to see you shine. And we don't, we don't have time just to do a normal Sunday. We don't have time just to read our Bible and not sit with it. We don't have time to not walk as God intended. Yeah. And I was just getting the sense that the Lord wants some of you to begin to expand your vision for your life. That you've had limited imagination. And you need to let your imagination grow a little bit and begin to think, man, what would it look like if things were different? What would it look like if I didn't struggle with this anymore? What would it look like for me to be myself and not have inhibitions and insecurities? Yeah. Because I see, man, Jesus is saying to you, you are the light of the world. Don't hide anymore. Let me tell you something. This city can change because of you. It can. And we need to expand our vision to see that we do have what it takes 
shed off the old and begin to walk in freedom, living testimonies so that everywhere we go, people are affected. It's not just you're waiting to say something special. It's you being you because you're, you're living in it. When you, if all of you did, this city would be totally different if we all began to live in that. And I'm talking to myself. You can change this city. This church can change this city. But some of you have thought too little of yourself for too long, and God is saying, you're the light. It's actually you. You're the light. I've put things in you that people need. Stop hiding. Let's shed, let's shed, just shed things off and begin to live as intended. It's so fun. Let me tell you, it's painful to get a limb cut off you. I feel that. It's painful, it hurts. But it's worth it, man. When you begin to live in freedom, I can't say it enough. So real quick, I would love to pray for all of you. I thank you that I don't have any mystical anointing, but anything that happens here is because you did it. It's because you did it. It's not because I prayed hard enough and made something happen. So I just pray for each and every individual right now in Jesus' name. I pray for activation, God. I pray that every dam would, be, would just burst and no more would there be a head knowledge without a heart knowledge. And each one here would be activated and saying, actually, there's things in you that your neighbors need. There's things in you that your family needs. It's time to stand up and rise to the occasion. You're called for such a time as this. So I just thank you, God. Right now, would you activate this body, spirit life, give greater vision, Jesus, to say we can actually change the city. We don't have to sit down and wait anymore. We can actually go out and be your hands and feet, Jesus. So I just thank you and praise you, even right now, God, for freedom. I pray for deliverance, God. Anyone who would have it. God, I just thank you for deliverance in Jesus' name. I just pray over each one, God, that you've designed each one here to shine in a unique and special way. And anything that has said, you're not meant to shine, you need to be quiet, you don't have, you don't have anything, I just thank you. Those voices are being silenced right now in Jesus' name. You do have something special, and you do have something that people need. I might have something that you need, but you, need, you have something that I need too. So I just praise you, Father God, right now for total freedom. I pray, God, let this be a marking day for Spirit Life Church. Let there be a shift today, God, where we would be life-giving streams to the community looking for needs, not asking what's my call, but what needs to be done, and actually being hands and feet, God. So I thank you. Let this body be a life-giving river in Jesus' name. No part of it, a stagnant lake. So I just thank you and praise you, Jesus, for each and every heart that you see in love, that you know each and every one. Even he's saying to some of you, I do see you, I have seen you, I do know you. You don't have to, you don't have to fight anymore to be seen. I see you. I do know you. I've been with you this whole time. I made you for this moment. So I thank you, God, that you are a God who sees. And Father, I just pray, whoever it would be, that they would encounter you, the God who sees them and loves them and is for them, is slow to anger in Jesus' name.